Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. Now, really quick, before you watch this episode, I posted a special video this week of a book review of the book Ejaculate Responsibly, uh, a pro-abortion book, and I had a really fun time editing it and filming it, so please go check that out after this video. Today, we'll be talking about a new film that I saw yesterday, which is called Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom is about sex trafficking and immigration. And as we have seen the repeal, um, repealing of Title 42, as well as other really bad choices by the Biden administration, I found it prudent to talk about immigration today. But the story that's really not told and what I want to focus most of today's episode on is sex trafficking, specifically the sex trafficking of minors. Uh, the, the film that I saw yesterday uh, really deeply touched me. Uh, it talked about Tim Ballard. If you don't know who Tim Ballard is, he started a charity called Operation Underground Railroad, where he saves uh, children from sex trafficking, uh, mostly in, in Latin America. Uh, this story and this topic has a lot of personal significance to me, and I want to share a couple personal anecdotes with everyone today on why immigration is so important uh, to me and my love for um, Latinos, uh, especially uh, Mexicans, um, which are being affected really greatly by current immigration policies. My personal anecdote is this for a lot of you. I know you already know this, but for those of you who are new viewers, uh, I served a Christian mission for two years. Uh, I got back almost two years ago to the day. And those two years were some of the most forming um, years of my life, not just in developing who I am, but also in forming my politics and how I see the world. Um, for those of you who don't know, when you are assigned, uh, when, when you go on a mission, you're assigned a mission. And so you stay in that place for all two years, you don't leave, and it's not somewhere that you choose. And so you may have heard of people going to Thailand and Africa and um, South America. Uh, but when I decided to serve a mission, I was assigned to Washington State. And most people like hear that and they're like, that's kind of lame. Like other people got to go to like Peru and Mexico and stuff. Um, but my mission ended up becoming a very formative thing in my life and has really informed my beliefs on immigration. Uh, and I want to talk about those today. Some of what made my mission especially special was that I was assigned to go learn Spanish in Mexico City for six weeks um, because I was assigned specifically to some rural communities in Washington uh, that were mostly Spanish speaking. And so I, growing up, so my father actually served a mission as well in Mexico. And so growing up, whenever we wanted to go out of the country, we tended to go to Southern Mexico where he served just because he loves that. And so learning Mexican culture and being immersed in that was always a part of my childhood. But what changed for me on my mission was that I was seeing culture uh, in the United States. I was seeing kind of this immigrant culture, which uh, was very different than what I had experienced uh, visiting um, Yucatan and Quintana Roo with my, uh, with my family. Uh, after serving in the Mexico uh, kind of training center for missionaries and learning Spanish, I went to those rural communities. Uh, two of the cities that I served in, um, one was about 70% Hispanic and Spanish speaking, and the other one was about 95%. And so these were very immersive communities. And not everyone there were illegal. There were some uh, citizens. Um, mo I would say maybe a, a small majority of the people there were on work visas because I was in eastern Washington where a lot of farming is. And these uh, people were there in the fields mostly. 
um, but there were still a large population of illegal immigrants and I learned a lot about how they came there because they, they spoke pretty openly with me knowing that uh, I was a missionary. Um, the thing that surprised me the most is that before the border was wide open like it is now, um, people have always wanted to come to the United States. The United States is the greatest nation on earth. It offers the most opportunity as well as the most safety uh, in the world. And so people want to flee, especially... I. I can only speak from my experience. I was mostly working with Mexicans. Uh, I know this is true of a lot of countries, but I'm mostly going to speak to Mexicans. So when I say Mexican, please understand that I really do mean the nationality Mexican, and I'm not giving that as an umbrella term for all Hispanics. Um, but I was mostly working with Mexicans, and what they told me was that essentially there was a certain price that they had to pay in order to get into the United States. And this was brokered between the cartels and um, the United States uh, Border Patrol. There were certain corrupt individuals that were working with the cartels in order to traffic humans across the border. Now, some of these people were being trafficked for uh, sexual um, in sexual slavery. But a lot of these people were being trafficked across simply um, just so that they could live there. And what was happening was the cartel was making a lot of money off these people. What they were doing, uh, at least when I was serving my mission about two years ago, the going price for crossing the border was about $10,000 a person. And so what I mean by that is that the cartel, people would approach the cartels and the people I was working with on my mission, most of them were from Michoacan, uh, Jalisco, and Sinaloa, which uh, if you're not familiar with the Sinaloa cartel, it is the largest organized crime unit in the world. And so a lot of these people knew the car, like the cartel was very much uh, there. Um, Michoacan is where most of the people that I met were from. And as far as I'm aware, Michoacan is basically owned and run by the Sinaloa cartel at this point. And so it's very easy to kind of get in contact with the cartel. Basically, what the cartel would offer is that these people would um, give them some sort of a down payment. This down payment usually was pretty low because no one has $10,000 in Mexico to cross the border. Uh, this down payment might have been $100 or $200. Then one of them would be permitted to go across the border through the cartel system. They would go to Washington where they knew that there were jobs for them. They would then pay off the cartel uh, with, they're essentially financing their freedom. And uh, once they finance that $10,000, sometimes the cartel would allow it. And sometimes if the cartel felt like their business was kind of done with this person, um, that they wanted to continue this business and they would threaten them uh, by making them pay more money. Now, how did they do this? The collateral for these people were their families. It was almost impossible for these people to completely get their family across the border because the cartels knew that they really had very little incentive to pay back the cartels if um, there was no sort of collateral. And so generally what would happen is one father and maybe a son would be able to cross the border and then they would pay back this cartel. And the deal was, if you miss a payment, I know where your family lives and I will kill them. That was a brutal reality for me to realize as a missionary. And it brought a lot of sorrow to the and a lot of stress to the people who um, lived there. In fact, while I lived there, Washington State passed a law that made it so that illegal immigrants could not work past 40 hours without being paid overtime like a U.S. citizen. And this really ticked off uh, the 
immigrants there because they had been working 60, 80 hours under their employer so that they could pay off the cartels. Under this law, employers had no incentive to work them past 40 hours, and uh, they had to live a lot more frugally in the United States so that they could work towards bringing their family here. Uh, it was a really sobering realization to know that people were literally being held captive by the cartel and that they cared so much about being in the United States that they went to this extreme length to do it. Uh, I prayed with many individuals about this, and uh, I had many people ask me for money um, in order to help them. And unfortunately, as a missionary, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And so that's kind of my personal anecdote about the border and why I feel so passionate about closing it and fixing the corruption that is going on there. Um, I, over the course of my two years, I grew an intense love uh, for Latinos. Uh, and I think a lot of that was created because of the fact that I became fluent in Spanish and was able to communicate with them and really understand where they were coming from, uh, as well as on a faith level. Um, sharing my faith with them, learning of their faith, and almost always talking about God in our conversations really brought us together and uh, gave me an experience that changed me forever. Uh, and it's why I'm so passionate about what I'm going to be talking about today. The southern border, for those of you who don't know, so, so Title 42 for the last 38 months uh, has been in effect. Uh, now, recently, Title 42 is repealed, so it is no longer in effect. But essentially what Title 42 did was it made it so that it was legal for the United States to expel immigrants that came to the border seeking asylum under uh, COVID, essentially. So they were able to justify it because COVID was around so that they could basically expel them for national security reasons. Now, I'm not saying that the COVID argument had like any bearing at all, but Title 42 was really good for a long time because it meant that the Border Patrol would receive these immigrants and then they could say, hey, you got to go back to Mexico, and they would. Now, unfortunately, Biden has repealed uh, Title 42, and because of this, we'll, we've seen an incredible increase in immigration. Um, already, we take in one million uh, legal immigrants a year. There's kind of this weird narrative from the left that we don't like take in any immigrants. There's also, from a lot of moderates, this idea that we need to reform immigration and that we need to take on more immigrants. And I think it's important to understand, the, like, no one is calling for this. This would be the most radical um, immigration policy pretty much imaginable. But if we doubled the amount of immigrants we take in, so right now we take 1 million in roughly. If we took in 2 million, which no one is asking for at this point, it would not even make close to a dent uh, for the amount of people who are seeking asylum in the United States, um, which is a, a harsh reality. But I think it's important to understand that there are billions of people in the world that would like to be a part of the United States. And so the question is, is can we take the, should we spend the energy taking these people on or should we spend more energy making the world a better place through a strong America? Pew Research, um, Pew Research uh, reported that there were more than 12,000 unaccompanied minors coming into the country in the month of November alone. And so going back into um, sex trafficking, the, we have tens of thousands of minors coming to the border, either seemingly unaccompanied or um, either actually unaccompanied. So they literally are just 16-year-old boys trying to find a better life in America. Or they're seemingly unaccompanied where they've been given orders and they're being trafficked. Or they there are also, uh, I, I believe, about 50,000 people that came 
just in November alone that were in some sort of a family unit. Uh, just to give you a little bit of context, in 2022, we had 2.76 million illegal immigrants uh, enter the, the country. Uh, that is a lot of people. Like I said, we've got 1 million, 1 million legal immigrants we let in. We had almost three times that come in illegally. And there are still hundreds of thousands more coming every single month. Um, to give you a little bit more context, in order to build a wall across our southern border, Trump was asking for $21.6 billion. Uh, I only give you that context just to show um, essentially what it would cost in order to fix uh, some of these problems. And I'm not saying that the wall is going to fix all the problems. It certainly will not fix sex trafficking as a whole. Um, but it's important to understand that I think there's been a lot of talk on the left that's been very hyperbolic about what it would take to build a wall. $21.6 billion is not a small amount of money, but there are other things that we spend much more than $21.6 billion on uh, that um, are of much smaller consequence to our country than having 3 million people come in and us trying to assimilate them. The biggest problems with this, there, there are kind of three big problems with 3 million people coming into our country illegally. The first is that it puts a huge strain on our social welfare programs. Um, they, these people are not paying taxes. Uh, these people are coming in with nothing. And you and I, um, for the most part, are paying taxes to support these people. Now, I am a big fan of charity, and I think these people need to be supported. But it's not sustainable for an America to support 3 million people every year on social welfare. It's just not something we can do. We see it with our debt ceiling. A lot of social welfare goes towards these illegal Im immigrants, and it's putting a strain on our economy. The second one is, according to AP, we've apprehended about 98 terrorists trying to cross the border. Now, these 98 terrorists are not like Mexican terrorists. There are some that are Mexicans, are from Honduras, uh, uh, Honduras, they're from Colombia. But there are many of these terrorists that are literally coming from Russia. They're coming from the Middle East. They're flying to Mexico, and then they are using our southern border. So it's very clear that our southern border is a weakness, and our enemies see it. I want to point out as well that 98 terrorists came through uh, that were apprehended, but we have no idea how many came through that weren't apprehended. I mean, if 3 million illegal immigrants entered our country, there's got to be a lot of terrorists that came through there, and so that's a huge national security issue. Uh, the other thing, of course, and what I'm going to now focus on is sex trafficking is a huge problem. According to The World Counts, 24.9 million um, people in the world are sex slaves. 24.9 million people. 10 million of those people are kids. Okay, so essentially the whole country of Australia would be sex slaves. If all of them in the world were in Australia. Other examples, we have Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka has less people in their country than sex slaves in the world. We have Malawi, Chile, Romania, Kazakhstan, Ecuador, Netherlands, Guatemala. All of those countries have less people in them than sex slaves in the world. That's a problem. That's something we should talk about. People are not talking about this. Um, and 10 million of those are kids. Not to mention all the people who were kids and have now simply just grown up in sex slavery for who knows how long. 
Now, I wasn't able to find exact figures on this, but it's clear that a lot of this is from Mexico to the United States. Unfortunately, the United States is a huge consumer of pornography as well as um, sex slaves. Those slaves are being sold in the United States, which is crazy. I, I mean, I think just you and I just walking down the street, we would never think looking at, you know, an adult and a kid, maybe there's something going on there. Maybe that isn't their parent. But chances are, if we've ever walked in a crowded place in a city, we've seen sex slaves walking around us. Guard Child reports that searches for porn went up more than 22% in the United States, making it the largest increase of any country in the world in 2022. In addition to that, 20% of all porn-related searches had to do with children. 20% of all the porn being watched are children. When we have a society that supports pornography and this promiscuous, gross ideology that we can do whatever we want with our bodies and that there's love is love, um, we see that children are being exploited. There's a dollar sign on children. The more and more pornography is watched, the more and more these people see that they can make money off of uh, exploiting children and stealing them from their parents uh, as, and uh, and turning them into sex slaves. I want to talk about the movie specifically now and what has kind of galvanized me and excited me to talk about this issue. Um, like I said before, the movie is called Sound of Freedom. The reason why it's called Sound of Freedom is because the whole point of the movie is there's a man named Tim Ballard who is helping kids escape from sex trafficking. Tim Ballard for me is a little bit, of, he's a bit of a legend. Uh, he uh, lives in Utah. I live in Utah. Um, and just like me, Tim Ballard served a mission. Uh, he's a member of the same church as me. And so growing up, I actually heard about this. I'm not sure exactly when the events of the movie took place, but it was sometime in my lifetime. And so I've heard a lot about this. And so seeing the movie and it being kind of dramatized um, really showed me uh, the amazing work he did and reminded me of what I had heard growing up about what he did. Um, on his mission, he learned Spanish, and so he's able to utilize that a lot. All of the work that he did for uh, Operation Underground Railroad was done in Latin American countries, at least at first. They may have expanded to other countries. Um, but the story centralizes essentially around a brother and sister. I want to talk about the movie specifically and give kind of my review of it. The story, and I'm not going to spoil it too much. Um, it is based on a true story. Uh, I want to do more research to see kind of what was more dramatized and what was real, but there are some instances that I've read a lot about and actually knew about before I saw the movie. And so I know that those things are legit. Uh, and they actually do have real footage of some of the things that went down. But in any case, the story uh, essentially revolves around a brother and a sister. And these brother and sister are with their father. And a woman shows up to their house and says, hey, uh, there they live in Honduras, which if you don't know, Honduras is one of the most dangerous Latin American countries uh, out there. Um, a woman comes to their house. They, he, she says, you've got beautiful children. Uh, I am a, an agent, essentially a modeling agent. I would love to help them get their start, help them make some money. So his father kind of reluctantly, uh, or their father reluctantly lets them go. And uh, he goes to pick them up at night and they're gone. And they've been, they've been taken. And very quickly, the brother and the sister get separated. And Tim Ballard, essentially, in the, in the story comes across a pedophile that he busts and decides that he realizes because he lives for So he works for Homeland Security already, but he realizes he keeps busting the pedophiles and he's not actually finding the children. 
And so he decides to use a pedophile that he's busted in order to get children to come to the U.S. And he ends up saving the son of this father. And through basically the, the, the plot of the movie is that he picks up clues from this boy uh, to find his sister and return them to his father. One of the, the best parts of the movie is that he, um, and this is a true story, this is the part that I knew about, that I love about Tim, Tim Ballard, is that he decides to fly to Columbia one day and he essentially creates a team. He uh, meets a billionaire and creates a team where they're going to make a fake uh, sex island, essentially similar to what Jeffrey Epstein did. And they make a fake sex island and they get everything going and they say, hey, we're going to have a kickoff event. And we want, you know, 60 kids here uh, to entertain people. And so he sets this up and in coordination with the Colombian military, uh, the, the military show up, they bust all the pedophiles there and they save about 60 kids. Uh, and it's, it's a riveting uh, scene in the movie. It's an incredible story. Uh, and it does, and it keeps going in that he was hoping that in that group would be the sister of this boy, but it, she's not there. And so he ends up actually having to go into rebel territory in Colombia and find her in kind of this warlord's um, base. And it's just an incredibly suspenseful uh, movie, a great watch. I really want everyone to be able to see it. Um, and so I encourage everyone to look it up. And I'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, the, the person who stars in the movie is Jim uh, Caviezel. If you're not sure who that is, he starred as uh, Edmund Dantes in... Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. He was also Christ uh, in the Passion of the Christ. And so he's involved in a lot of these Christian uh, kind of powerful messages. Um, and he just has a spectacular performance in this movie. Um, I mean, he was a big name actor and he did great, but I can't tell you how many smaller actors, just the kids in the movie, um, some of the the pedophiles in the movie, some of the uh, the law enforcement in Colombia that were helping to get the kids out. These actors were so good and so compelling. Uh, this was a top tier movie. And my understanding is that the budget was fairly, fairly low. Um, this story has to be told in order to secure the Southern border. This is why I'm so passionate about it. Unfortunately, the Southern border, um, there's a lot of people on the left that want people from who are seeking asylum to come across. And that desire is very normal. And I share that desire. Uh, I saw the quality of life improve for the people that I taught on my mission. I saw that their love for the United States and wanting to come here and start a family. But the reality is, is that keeping an open border is the wrong way to do this. It is promoting sex trafficking. We cannot continue to keep the border open it is hurting kids. You hear very commonly on the left, you hear of how Trump locked kids up in cages. Obama did it too, um, by the way. The problem with this narrative is that there was a policy in this country that when families came across the border illegally, that they needed to be separated. And they were separated to make sure and verify that this really was the kids' parents. I'm not saying this wasn't a scary experience for the kids. But it is absolutely necessary. When people are apprehended at the border, the kids and the parents must be separated. It is the only way to verify that this is not a predator trying to traffic these kids across the border. And unfortunately, Democrats and liberals have been trying to use this 
to upset independents and moderates who don't understand this issue as well and turn them against um, what is common sense immigration policy. We have got to protect the kids. I do want to say at the end to close out this podcast, um, for those of you who are interested in watching this movie, I want you to comment down below. I want you to subscribe. If you subscribe and comment down below uh, and say the words, I want to watch it, uh, I will reach out to you and we will coordinate if there's a theater. So unfortunately right now it is in limited showing. I'm not sure exactly where it's showing. I know for a fact, if you're in Utah, then you can see it in other places. I'll have to look into if you can see it, but if you comment below, I want to see it. I will reach out and I will make sure that you can get a free ticket for you and anyone else that wants to go see the movie. Um, either I will reach out to operation underground railroad and make sure that they can pay for it or I will pay for it myself. This is a story that needs to be told. I am passionate about it and I don't want every, anyone to not be able to see it um, just because of where they live or finances. So please reach out if you're interested in seeing it. I would love to get you hooked up with that so that you can feel that same passion and emotion that I felt last night when I saw it. Uh, thank you so much for watching everyone. I appreciate your support as always. Please leave a comment down below of your thoughts. Please share this video with anyone that you think might benefit from hearing the more conservative side of immigration policy so that they can see that conservatives are not just out here. We're not here because we hate Latinos and we don't want people coming to our country. We want common sense immigration policy so that can happen the right way so that those people can have their lives improved and not get taken over by sex traffickers and cartels.